Hey there. Welcome to the uh, inaugural premiere episode of Tea with Trailblazers. Our first guest is David Giller, CEO of Brainy8, and he's just got a wealth of wisdom to share with us today from uh, his journey from being an attorney to being a uh, Salesforce consultant with a team uh, to also just some great career advice and also uh, what it means to actually be an admin uh, where you're not just an order taker. Hope you enjoy it. Let's join David. Oh, Andrew, thank you for having me. I am honored, A, to be here, and B, to be your favorite person from New York. I appreciate it. New York is yeah. a heavily populated area, a lot of, so a that lot says a lot. Here. Thank you. And I'm pro I might get an email saying, but what about me from someone? I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> um, so David and I, like pretty much everybody uh, on Tea with Cheryl Weisers, um, connected over uh, well, actually, yeah, probably connected over Twitter, and um, I've connected with him through some of his content that we'll talk about, and um, and then just always enjoy his insights and and humor. Um, he's been known to crack a joke every now and then on um, on Twitter. So, um, David, why don't we start with your current position in the Salesforce world? My name is David Giller, and I am CEO of Brainiate. Brainiate is a Salesforce consulting firm. So essentially I am a Salesforce consultant and trainer. And because I am, as you mentioned before, a, a New Yorker born and raised in New York, uh, and I have very much of a type A extrovert, extrovert personality, I am very much out there in the Salesforce ecosystem. That means on social media, especially pre-COVID, uh, attending many Salesforce user groups. I'm also a Salesforce user group leader. And essentially, I can't keep my mouth shut no matter where I am. And if it's, especially if it's something that I'm excited about, which really comes down to helping to solve problems for people and for organizations. I get a huge thrill out of solving problems for people and for companies. And Salesforce, in my mind, is simply a tool with which we as Salesforce professionals can solve problems for people in organizations. And I take to social media, uh, whether it's a traditional social media platform like Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or even my own YouTube channel uh, to post, whether it's sharing content from others, creating my own content, uh, sometimes just sharing my thoughts, opinions, perspective, observations on different things that I see going on in the Salesforce ecosystem, uh, some common blunders that people make on the Salesforce platform, some blunders that people make or misconceptions that people have as it relates to their Salesforce career and expectations about a Salesforce career. And that's me in a nutshell. I can keep going. So you'll have to tell me to shut up if I go well, too much. Well, actually, the, 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 the talking sort of leads me into uh, talking about your origin story, your, your superhero origin story. Because in his former life, to go along with his inability to stop talking, he was an attorney. So uh, Indeed. How So the obvious question is, everyone, for some reason, this is a story we hear a lot about people who were attorneys and became something else. What, um, tell us the story. How'd you go from being a law, a, a lawyer to being CEO of Brainiate? Sure. So I guess the first thing I should say right off the bat is I was not disbarred. The reason why I'm not practicing <laughs> law. Hold on. 
אז... The reason why I'm not practicing law is not because I was thrown out of the legal profession. So essentially, uh, I, when I decided to pursue a career as an attorney, my goals, my objectives were really the same as what I said before in terms of what I get a huge thrill out of doing what I do today within the Salesforce ecosystem, which is I get a huge kick out of, I'm a geek, I get a huge kick out of solving problems for people and for organizations. And I saw a lawyer as someone who solves problems for other people using the legal system, the judicial system as their toolkit. And I was in fact practicing law. I am admitted to practice law in New York, New Jersey and Washington DC. So I went through law school, graduated. I took the bar, multiple bar exams and passed. I was in fact practicing law in both New York and New Jersey. And uh, a couple of, at no point did I wake up one day and say, oh, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm gonna go become a Salesforce admin or Salesforce consultant or Salesforce trainer. That did not happen. There were many, many years in between my practicing law and loving it. And when I was completely retired from the legal profession, incidentally, I retired from the legal profession twice. That's a whole other, that's between me and my therapist. Um, but I, I retired from the legal profession twice, but there were many, many years about 20 years in between when I'm an, an old guy, by the way, uh, when I, uh, when I pursued a full-time career as a Salesforce professional. And so my career has taken many bizarre, unexpected twists and turns. I feel like from a career perspective, I was incredibly lucky uh, having had job opportunities that I was never looking for land on my lap, where although each one was taking a couple of steps, I'll call them baby steps, further and further from the legal profession, from practicing law, because I love technology because I love solving problems. Uh, those, those are the things that help me feel very comfortable uh, making that, I'll call it career evolution or career transition. So just to give you a couple of highlights because it might seem like, okay, you did a lot of talking, but you're very vague. You haven't said really anything. <laughs> um, tell you is this, my major uh, milestones leaving the legal profession to do things that are IT related, database related, was really uh, going back to the year 2000 when I, uh, I'll, I'll actually tell you about my job interview. I was interviewing at Rockefeller Center at 30 Rock for a position in the IT department of NBC. And during the interview, I turned to the woman interviewing me and I <laughs> I randomly said, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And she looked at me and she said, what did you just say? And I repeated myself, why on earth would you say that? I said, I don't know. I was a philosophy major and I went to law school and I'm an attorney. And here I am. This is a surreal experience. Here I am sitting in 30 Rock in the IT department interviewing for, for a position in IT. I don't know how to code HTML if my life depended on it. and I mean, 
NBC, I know about TV and I know how to turn the TV on to the <laughs> channel for NBC. I don't know anything about the entertainment industry. And I don't feel like I know enough about technology to even be here. So that's why I said it. And she looked at me and she said, this goes directly back to what I said a moment ago, by the way. She looked at me and she said, here's what we need. We don't need you to be an expert in the entertainment industry. We don't need you to be an expert in technology. We don't need you to code anything. We need someone to be a liaison, a translator between everyone in the department, in the IT department here and folks outside of the IT department that couldn't care less about the HTML code or the database operations or the types of hardware that we might need in order to solve their problems. We need someone who can essentially represent the IT department for specifically two other departments within the organization. And one was the corporate communications department. The other one was the law department. That's where I'm saying baby steps from the legal profession. And basically she turned to me and she said, your job is going to be working with anyone from a summer intern to the head of those departments. And they don't care about the software version that they have or the database operations. They wanna be able to tell you what they're trying to do as a business. And you need to come back and translate that to us into business requirements so right. that our IT team can go ahead and deliver and make it successful. And really for me, that the reason why I bring it up is because that was truly a pivotal uh, experience for me. And yes, I got the job and yes, I took the job and I worked at NBC. At the time, NBC was owned by GE. NBC was later merged with Universal and I was actually involved in that project as well. And uh, that was really my big uh, transition moment, pivoting moment uh, of truly being immersed in an IT type role as a project manager, program manager. That's where I learned about about uh, technology and working with technology specialists and databases and business requirements gathering. And because it was GE, I was immersed in the world of Six Sigma. So everything around identifying risks and stakeholders and a communication plan for rolling out projects. And that really put me on a path where I was now a project manager within the IT realm. Fast forward a couple of years, I moved from NBC, or, or then it became NBC Universal, over to another division of GE, which was GE Capital. And one day my boss turns to me and says, well, we have this other CRM that you're responsible for. And guess what? We're moving off of that CRM, Siebel, onto another CRM called Salesforce. And you need to help uh, with this project and we are going live in three months and we start on Monday. So let's get cracking. And I turned to her and I said, what the hell is Salesforce? Is that one word or two? If Siebel is working, it's not broken. Why are we bothering moving it? And what's the rush of three months? Like that's aggressive. And she essentially told me all of that is below your pay grade. Uh, just get ready to do the work. Essentially that's how I became uh, what's, uh, what's lovingly known as an accidental admin. Uh, that and that was about 2007 so really it's the way i see it um my my role today really is the same as what that manager 
explained to me when I was in that job interview at NBC, I see myself as a translator, as a liaison, as a facilitator between Salesforce, the platform, and the companies that are trying to use Salesforce, the individuals, whether they are business users or senior executives or Salesforce admins, sometimes even developers who are creating apps for the Salesforce platform. And I, I sort of see myself as this facilitator translator between the two. Excellent. And so how long has um, Brainiate existed as a company? So I started Brainiate in 2012, okay. if I recall correctly. So this is your 10th anniversary. About 10 years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it. kinds of clients do you work with? Because it's not just you. I know that. You have a team. Yes, so what... I have a team of folks who are who help me out. Some are direct client-facing, uh, gathering business requirements. Uh, some are doing the configuration behind the scenes and, and also working with the clients to ensure that the configuration matches their expectations and works as needed. And then on the content creation side of my business, which is really about the um, the blogging, the podcasting, the YouTube channel, and the course uh, creation of courses. I have Brainiate Academy, which is where I have online on-demand courses for Salesforce professionals. I have a whole lot going on over there <laughs> where it requires quite a bit of work and quite a few people to help me out with. So all of that is essentially uh, behind the scenes, I'll call it, um, to help me organize the, the content, get the content created, editing uh, until it gets out there. There's quite a bit of work involved. Anyone who has ever attempted to edit any <laughs> audio or video content knows a sampling of what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's it's a lot of it's it's a lot of work. That's for sure. Um, as I will find out after I edit this video. Um, <clears throat> and so, when did and you? By the way, I do have, especially because so many, as time goes on, and I think COVID helped facilitate this tremendously. So many more people, even within the last two to three years, so many more people are interested in creating content on whatever platform. It does not matter, even if it's just uh, TikTok or Instagram Reels. Um, so many people are interested in creating content that I've accidentally become somewhat of an expert on the content creation and the editing in different formats and media, I certainly never thought I would become as intimately familiar with all of these nuances and uh, hacks and tips and ways to keep organized and tools as in software to uh, help you not pull your hair out. So there's there's a lot there to unpack too also with the youtube channel what do you focus on so uh the youtube actually all of my i should say all of my content really focuses on advice 
tips for Salesforce professionals. Well, it's mostly targeted towards Salesforce admins, but the truth is when I say Salesforce professional, in my head, I'm thinking sort of, you know, in quotes, air quotes over here, uh, Salesforce admin. What I really mean by that is someone who either already has at the very least the Salesforce admin certification or is preparing to get the Salesforce admin certification, but their actual job title or the way they see themselves might not have anything to do. It might just be a project manager. It might just be a business analyst. They might be a Salesforce developer. They might be a senior leader within an organization that is responsible for the implementation of Salesforce, whether it's among their team or among the company as a whole. And my content is really focused on the, the different uh, tips, advice, insights that I have come across for them. Or when I say I come across, a lot of times I'm helping to shine the spotlight, similar to what you are doing right now, to shine the spotlight on others within the Salesforce ecosystem so that they can share their tips and advice and insights and experiences on doing various things within the Salesforce platform. Yeah, it's a great channel. I really enjoy the, the content that you put out. It's um, If people want to look it up, it's, it's Brainy8. We'll, um, we'll link to it below. Um, but I mean, you do everything from communication with AI. I'm just looking at your channel now. Communication with AI. Focus on nonprofits using Salesforce. Change management. Focus on, on improving user adoption, yeah. on data quality, on managing Salesforce projects, on just how not to, as a Salesforce professional, how to not feel overwhelmed. And all of us do feel, I mean, let's face it. Salesforce as a company, they keep coming out with A, new features. B, new products. C, they keep renaming freaking everything. They rename features, rename products over and over again. That by itself is overwhelming. And uh, as a Salesforce professional, you also are ideally responsible for one or more Salesforce instances, which means you have user requirements that are changing, business requirements that are changing, business processes that are evolving. So it can absolutely feel very overwhelming to be a Salesforce professional, a Salesforce admin. And I'm trying to help shed some light on any advice that I might have for others on how to keep your sanity, essentially. And by the way, there are plenty of times I need that type of help myself so i am not at all trying yeah. to make it look like uh you know every, everything is all peachy no plenty of times i feel like i'm playing whack-a-mole too well and i think this is one of the things that has been really well really helpful and really as uh, i guess a surprise is the the salesforce community or the ohana as they like to call it um is so you know 90 percent of it is so open and welcoming and ready to help uh, if you have questions, because nobody knows this out of the gate. And there's so many. And as you say, I mean, we get three releases a year. <clears throat> I I think you had a, a question on Twitter once or somebody about how do you get ready for releases? And I, I, and I think, I don't know, I jokingly said, I just wait for stuff to come up on Twitter because, you know, they put together the trailhead and I'm just like, I, I, I don't know who does these. I do not have time to, to go through. I mean, Bless them for making those things available. I mean, Salesforce certainly puts the information out there and makes it accessible, but three releases a year can be difficult, especially because it's not all going to apply to you. So you have to sort through 
what will apply to you, what could apply to you. Like, oh, that's interesting to, you know, think of in the future. Um, something that came up in a previous discussion I had with another trailblazer was, you no, know, Salesforce, I forget the number, but Salesforce likes to talk about how many jobs there are and how many jobs are open or available or around the world for Salesforce because the platform is so popular and people like you and I and all the people we know, there, there's only so many of us. And yet at the same time, we seem to see all these people that seem to struggle to find these these, these thousands of jobs that are supposedly out there. And I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how to reconcile that because I mean, certainly some people may just not be suited to it. And so that's, that is part of it. But the, there's so many people that you, I mean, you're an extrovert. I am not. Um, I'm going to Dreamforce in two weeks. I will be so dead by the end of it from all the socializing. And I'll just be like, ah, um, whereas you'll just be like, bring me more. <laughs> um, but they seems to be, there's a lot. It seems yeah. to be such a diverse crowd. I mean, you've got people, we have people from all different backgrounds. I mean, you're a lawyer. I used to work for 911. But there seem to be all these people that struggle to get into the ecosystem in the first place. And I guess like you and I, we we both sort of land, like I, I worked for the company. I The job was open. I asked for it. Um, you know, we, we are sort of the accidental admins. And now that you've got people who are more purposely doing it and they're taking courses and they're doing all these things. And I just like, oh, my goodness. Like, I feel I mean, I'm so I do. I'm privileged to have landed where I've landed, but it's, I don't know. I feel bad. I never know what advice to give them. Before I go further on that thought, I'll just back it up a little bit as a sort of give a little disclaimer on what I'm about to say for those who might find it to be a little bit harsh or unconventional. <laughs> um, one of the reasons why I absolutely love being an extrovert in the Salesforce ecosystem is because my entire life, people have been saying everything from my, everyone from my siblings to my parents to school teachers, David, shut up and sit down. <laughs> and until I got involved in the Salesforce ecosystem, all of a sudden, instead of people saying, David, shut up and sit down, people said, Wait, 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 can you come over here and say that again? Say it louder for the people in the back. Stand by the podium and hold the microphone when you say that. Right. And I didn't really understand. Like, what? Like me? Like, wait, really? I'm allowed to talk? So what I've discovered is that, especially for some reason, I don't really know why, but for some reason, within the Salesforce ecosystem, a lot of people prefer to make everything seem very candy coated and oh everything is wonderful and perfect and we've we get those twitterized versions of people's careers oh homeless and jobless to salesforce admin earning over eighty thousand dollars a year within three months give me a freaking break that is not normal that is not typical and if you are going to rest your career based on those extreme success stories those unique one in i don't know how many hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands success stories good luck to you but what i share the type of advice that i share with people and one of the reasons why people do enjoy to hear from me is because i just say it as i see it and i don't really have a filter 
<laughs> at all. So with that being said, there are many people who they see these big posters or they they read a blog post about uh, you know jobless to uh jobless to salesforce architect or salesforce admin salesforce developer earning six figures and working for fill in the blank what type of company and they believe that all they have to do is pass the admin certification exam and um twitter and home depot and coca-cola and toyota and and JP Morgan Chase are going to knock on their door and offer them, please, please work for us. Here, take our money, come work for us. And I'm sorry, that does not happen. And I often tell people like, okay, let's forget about the Salesforce ecosystem for a minute. When I went to law school, we talked about me being an attorney before. When I went to law school, even though when I graduated, it was uh, 1993, uh, I graduated from law school and I passed the bar in multiple jurisdictions. I did not have law firms banging on my door to hire me. Why? Why is that? Is it because I'm incompetent? No. Is it because I'm stupid? No. Is it because I didn't have experience? No. It's because there are so many other individuals who have the exact same credentials as you or nearly identical credentials as you. And you need to stand out from the crowd in some way. You need to also have a little bit of good luck in meeting the right person at the right time who is in a position to potentially hire you to even have the appropriate conversation so that it can get to the next step. So people who read these posters or blog posts or YouTube videos or TikToks, I don't even know where they're getting it from. I mean, they're getting it from everywhere. That's what I know. Mm -hmm. And then they go ahead and they say, ah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a Salesforce admin. I'm going to take the Salesforce cert admin certification exam and jobs are going to land on my lap. My inbox is going to be flooded. My next struggle is going to be which job should I accept? And I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way because even after you get one certification or two certifications or 12 certifications, guess what? There are tons of other people out there looking for jobs that have the same number as you of certifications or more. So trying to stand out as it relates to the number of certifications that you have or simply meeting that threshold, that simply gets you in uh, that you, you have satisfied that baseline to even be considered for a role. No one is going to throw a job at you mm -hmm. just because you have those certifications. So what does it take to get those jobs? Well, for starters, I would say don't search for jobs that even have the word Salesforce in the job title. Hmm. And that might sound completely ridiculous to a lot of people. Like, what do you mean? I, I want to have a career as a Salesforce architect, Salesforce developer. Good for you. Okay, go, go knock yourself out and tell me how that works. My recommendation is take whatever ex work experience you have, or knowledge that you have of a particular niche industry or interest or passion that you have in a particular field, whether it's based on your prior work experience or based on your hobbies or based on anything else, and look for jobs that fall within those categories. For example, if let's say you used to work in a hospital in the HR office, 
So you have familiarity with HR policies, HR processes. You have familiarity with various systems, whatever those systems, even if it's Excel, other systems that are being used, other hospitals for HR policies. You are also familiar with hospital administration. You're also familiar with the nuances of how hospitals Hospitals operate and the hiring process that happens when even a job even gets posted, let alone candidates come in. So you have a lot of industry expertise there. All you really have to do is forget about the word Salesforce for a moment. Go ahead and search for jobs that leverage the work experience, the knowledge, the industry expertise that you already have, so long as those topics don't make you run in the opposite direction. I mean, you have to be interested in pursuing those things for your next role. And look for jobs where those, the hiring companies happen to be using Salesforce. And by doing that, you are not trying to go in as a Salesforce admin. You are presenting yourself as maybe an HR manager, and guess what? They happen to be using Salesforce to manage the job openings, the interviewing process, the candidates, the pay scales that are appropriate, the um, promotions that are made internally for different employees, and approach your entire job hunting uh, methodology based on whatever strengths you already have based on your prior experience and knowledge and passions and simply overlay that with Salesforce by looking simply at companies that happen to have Salesforce. Now, by the way, if you're wondering, well, how do I know? Let's take the example I said before. Uh, you're applying for an HR position in a hospital and you have no idea, well, how am I supposed to know if that hospital uses Salesforce? Do a Google search at that point, once you know who the hiring company is, just do a Google search. Let's say it's a Methodist hospital of Midtown Manhattan. Just do a Google search with the name of that hospital and the word Salesforce. And chances are you will come across, it could be a blog article, it could be a Twitter post, it could be other job postings that they have for Salesforce professionals. It could even be old job postings that have been closed because they were filled already two years ago. But that will give you insight as to whether or not they're already using Salesforce. So when your resume comes into that company and you already have the appropriate type of knowledge and expertise and, and, and hands-on experience in that niche field, in that niche industry for that niche role, and you also happen to have even one Salesforce certification, you better believe it. Your resume is going to stand out to them as being, uh, this person is freaking perfect. That's how I would approach it. That's that's some great advice. I mean, that mirrors, I didn't do it on purpose, but that sort of mirrors my own career path. I'd been with the university that I'm with for five, six years. I just had my ninth anniversary. Um, and I was in recruitment. <clears throat> I was an admissions counselor. The guy who was running Salesforce, we bought Salesforce to replace our old CRM. And the, our first admin left. The job had been open for a while, and I decided I wanted to change, and I knew I, I could, it was something I could do. Um, 
And so I, I asked for it and I got it. But one of the things that made that plausible was they went to IT and asked, okay, so what are the actual requirements of running this system? And I said, okay, well, it doesn't seem too terribly, you know, poor, like you don't have to learn Python or something. Um, but Andrew already knows the company. He knows our policies, our procedures, our programs. He already knows it. So who, you know, I basically, I put it to people. It's like, you can hire me to learn Salesforce or you can hire a Salesforce guy to learn our culture, our university, which one do you think is harder? Right? So, um, so that's, that's great. That's great advice because I think one of the things overall with Salesforce, I mean, it, or even I should broaden it out to say the low code, no code movement in general, it has opened up a huge, vast array of opportunities for people who wouldn't have had them before without, well, without learning actual programming languages. But this idea that yes, it's gotten easier doesn't make it easy, right? So yes, you, but creating a checkbox is, is simple. Knowing whether that's the best solution or not, it might be. Using that, knowing whether that's the best solution or not, that's really what I think where you you start earning your money. But also just you know, it's also knowing well. Yes, you can make a checkbox, but what can you make that checkbox do? So then it's like, well, now you're into automations, right? What can you make automate? What can you make a checkbox do through a flow? Um, so just know, I guess, if you are watching this and you are a an aspiring um, admin, Salesforce professional, and you're getting frustrated, um, you know, uh, the reality is, it's not the system itself is more open, but it's not it's not this easy, simple thing. Which, if you're studying, you're doing Trailblazer. Or trailhead, you you probably already know this um, that it's not just necessarily this clear clear cut thing, but not but finding a job is just like any other time finding a job. This is also I think why the community is so great because they know it's um, it is difficult, and once you're in the problems, just you know the the problems you have to solve, the solutions you have to find. Um, sometimes the best way to do that is through the people that have come before you. So. That's absolutely yeah. true. And I think there's one other element that you sort of, you hinted at a moment ago, and I just want to sort of bring it to the surface, which is this. Um, when someone is learning Salesforce, including us, when we are on Trailhead to learn about any feature or on YouTube, you know, Salesforce often puts out training videos on how to use a new feature even sometimes before it comes out or at the time when it's first released, they teach how to do something, how to create a checkbox, how to create a new custom object, how to create a new role or profile or permission set. But what they don't explain is why or when. Why? should you be using this feature? When is it appropriate to use this feature? When is it not appropriate to use this feature? And by the way, as I say this, I am not at all criticizing anyone on the Salesforce side <laughs> to uh, anyone at Salesforce. I am not criticizing them uh, for not including this. Think of it like when you purchase an oven or a car, you're going to have the user manual. Here's how to use the steering wheel. 
They're not going to teach you when to turn the steering wheel 45 degrees to the left versus 45 degrees to the right and all of the other nuances that come along with it. Similar when you're buying an oven, they're not going to teach you the best way to put together a Thanksgiving meal plan. They won't teach you that. It's it's not within their realm to teach it to you. So in the end, folks who don't know, uh, especially people who are new to the Salesforce ecosystem, and I was certainly there myself, plenty, and I think everyone was, uh, when you know you learn how to create a custom object, you learn how to create a custom field, you learn how to create a checkbox. And if you are not familiar with the basics of business requirements gathering, of problem solving, of project management, of really getting to the heart of what is it that the individual that the business needs the business that's communicating to you here's what i'm looking for here's what i need they will ask for can you create a custom button or checkbox or page or profile or whatever they don't know what the heck they are asking for and as salesforce professionals we're thinking ah i remember learning how to do that yes i can i'll have it done in 10 minutes for you and We don't bother thinking through and we sort of need to slow it down and think through and ask probing questions, not because we don't want to give them the checkbox, the button, the page that they want, but we need to confirm that that is truly what they want and need. And we also have to remember as Salesforce professionals, very often, 90 plus percent of the time when the business is asking for something they don't even understand themselves the appropriate terminology yeah the business user i don't care how many years that they've been using salesforce they might not know the difference between a record an object a field a page a profile a role and they will blurt out whatever word comes to mind and you're not an order taker by being an order taker. If you don't, I'll rephrase it. If you don't push back by asking the probing questions of what is the problem that you're looking to solve? And then will this approach solve the problem at hand? If you don't do that, you're easily replaceable because you're not adding any value. Imagine for a moment, Salesforce with artificial intelligence comes out with, funky functionality where with a voice command any user can say hey salesforce hey einstein create a custom object for me your job is now replaced right do you want to be replaced like that like a monkey can create a custom object or a checkbox field you need to add value you need to show how you're solving problems and that really in my mind that needs to be at the forefront of everyone's uh, mind in terms of what they do within the Salesforce ecosystem. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got, I have a, a box in a, I have a, uh, for those of you who are in Salesforce, there's an object called case and that's how people file trouble tickets with me basically, or feature requests. And one of the boxes I've added for feature requests is what problem does this solve? And it's not, um, I suppose some people might find that, um, uh, a bit rude to ask. I don't know, but you know, like, what do you mean? What wait, is there something wrong with my question? It's like, no, but I want to know because I've, more than once someone's asked me, "Can you create a thing that does this?" And say, "Well, what are you trying to solve?" And they'll say, "Well, I want to know how to do this." And so well, that already exists. Let me show you how you can already do that. 
Um, or, or yeah, the, the solution they think they're proposing is not the most efficient, is not the best way, or it will work for them, but it won't work for the other users. And you do have to think about if this has to work with the rest of the humans as well. You can't create, you don't want to create, well, maybe you do. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to create 20 different sales forces <laughs> because, um, you'll go crazy. Yeah. So it does have to it's work. It's very true. And uh, what I'll also say is that when, as the person receiving the request, we need to be also very mindful of the fact that when we do push back, similar to what you just said, Andrew, and this, this looks like a lot of different things when people are asking for something and then we even innocently asking, what is the use case? What is the business problem that you're trying to solve? What is the need here? Who And who needs it exactly? They suddenly get immediately very defensive. And then they start to think, oh, is it that it's difficult to do? Is it that you're too busy and it's going to take a lot of time? Is it that you're too lazy to do it? Huh. So... One thing that I strongly recommend, this is what I do myself. Someone asks for something like, hey, by the way, can I get a checkbox so that after I make a phone call to the client or the prospect, I can go ahead and just check off the box this way I know if I called them or not. I'm like, okay, let's, let's unpack this for a minute. Can I? Yes, absolutely. It'll take me three seconds to do it. I could do it right now. And I could, I'll share my screen and I'll show you how I'll do it right now. But I don't think that's going to solve your problem because if I were you, I think that the business need here is that you want to be able to track the phone call and who made the phone call and what if you have notes about the phone call and what was the date and time of the phone call and are there any follow-up items regarding that phone call? And here's some features that, oh, by the way, Salesforce happens to give us out of the box in order to do those kinds of things. So you tell me, would you... I can give you, still give you the checkbox. I could do it right now. Or do you want to use these features that are far more robust and takes a more holistic approach to the business problem, which is the tracking of phone calls with prospects or customers? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, listen, David, we're coming up to the end of our time. Just want to thank you again for taking time out of your day uh, to speak with me and to the viewers. It's been really I never, you know, we, there was no plan for this conversation. I had a few things in my head, and it's always interesting to see where things go. So I appreciate you sharing your knowledge. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Uh, the best way to reach out to me, I would say, is uh, pick your favorite social media platform. I'm usually very active on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on any of those or my email address, dgiller, first initial, last name, at brainygate.com. Great. And we'll link to those. Andrew, thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks very much for joining us. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye.